Hey, this is Dustin, one of the pastors at Grace Bible Church. Thanks for tuning in to listen to one of our sermons. We hope that this sermon encourages you, inspires you, and compels you towards a closer walk with Jesus and one another. If you would like to learn more about Grace Bible Church, contact us or partner with us financially, you can connect with us at www.gbc.life. Welcome to our church family. We hope that you enjoy the message. I can only watch that video so many times, it hits me right in the feeler every time I watch it. But what you just got to witness was uh, the uh, Abide community of leaders joined together to be out at the prison yesterday to help our incarcerated church at Avon Park Correctional Institute to launch their 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, You saw about 250 inmates on the screen right there that will be fasting and praying right alongside you over these next 21 days and really getting before the face of God as individuals and his groups, and it's been awesome what God has done out of the prison. This, this wasn't just a one-time thing. We've actually built a relationship with the prison over the last couple of years. And uh, pre-COVID, we had uh, uh, abide pastors and volunteers out there every week doing daily discipleship with about 120 inmates in small groups. And so I can't wait to see what's going to launch out of this coming year. Y'all be praying for that as a part of your prayers throughout the season of fast and be like, God has is, God is assembled a great thing right here in the heartland. Like we, we do, we do fast and pray. And I'll talk about it in a little bit. We ask God for revival right here in our neighborhoods and in our schools and our workplaces and our homes. But like I just want to remind you again, and you just bore witness to it, like we're not just waiting for revival to come. We are walking in it here. Some of you have probably become so accustomed to what God is doing around us that it seems normal. But man, this is not normal. This is biblical. And for whatever reason, God has appointed that we would be the ones to live in the heartland in the days that he chose to sweep through. And so I hope that you'll join what God is doing, that you will align your heart with his, that you will fast and pray and seek him, that you will invite God to do what only he can do in your life. And while we're on the subject of the prison, man, I just got to give a shout out to a couple really important guys that are not only here with us today, but are here with us just about every Sunday that we gather. Um, the, the big dog, the big warden out at APCI, uh, Jess Baldridge, is here with us and a part of our church family. Um, the warden of programming that gets this put together, Warden Saboto, is a part of our church family. The chaplain out at the prison is a part of our church family. A lot of the correctional officers out at the prison are a part of our church family. And God is doing a great work in and through them because they have committed to being missionaries to the incarcerated church. And they are a part of your church family. And most of them are actually sitting in here during this service right now. Yep. We appreciate y'all, man. Just as a one-two punch, man, God has saw fit that uh, Warden Baldridge, who's the, who's the, the head warden out at APCI, uh, his, his wife of however many years, uh, many years, is, is, the, is the warden out at Okeechobee, who was also a missionary on her compound. And God, it's awesome, man. And they're a part of your church family. Like, we got, I mean, it's cool, man, what God is doing. Like, yeah, like I said, Don't miss what God is up to right now because things may seem common to you if you've been a part of our church family for long. We are living in some unprecedented days, and we are seeing some extraordinary and unprecedented work of the Holy Spirit right here in the heartland, and we get to be a part of it. I'm so glad that God has seen fit to do this for us so that we can see the fruit of what he is doing right here in our own backyard. So yeah, we're, we're, we're about to barrel off into 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, it starts tomorrow officially. Um, and if you are new to Grace Bible or new to the Heartland area, maybe you're watching online and this is the first time you've heard about this, like I think this is about our sixth year. Um, and we've been, th- this has been kind of a growing effort, growing movement even. We've been praying and fasting 
um, together with a community of churches now for several years. We've got about 15 churches right here in the Heartland that worship together, pray together. We're going to worship together this afternoon, just out in open air, downtown Sebring, 3.30. Wanted to do it while the sun's up so it's not too cold. Um, but also we'll be done after about an hour, hour and a half, worship and prayer um, so that you can get home before the sun goes down. Um, and so that'll be happening today. I hope that you'll join us out there as a part of that. Uh, he, here's where it is. Uh, Mary Beth was describing it to you, but we put together this really cool map um, for you to be able to find the place. Yeah, perfect, right? Can you see that? Uh, so basically what you're seeing here is, and for those of you that are familiar with downtown Sebring, um, and again, this is for all the Heartland. We picked Sebring because it's just kind of in the middle. Um, the, if, if you know where D's place is, it's about right here. Um, there's a vacant bank about at the top left-hand corner, and then First Baptist Sebring is down here on the bottom right, and then the, one of the fire departments is right here in the middle. There's an empty parking lot right there. That's where the stage is set up, all right? Um, there is an actual address to it. I think it's 228 North Ridgewood. You can get on abide21.com. We have a link on there if you want to just click it. It'll, if you're a smartphone user, it'll GPS you right to it. Um, if you don't, if you don't, um, if you're not familiar with downtown Seaburn, you're not familiar how to find it. Just drive to downtown Seaburn and roll your windows down at about 3:30, and you'll hear us. And then you can find us. We won't be far away. But look, bring a jacket, bring a mask if you'd like to, bring a chair, um, because again, we're just going to be out in this parking lot. We're going to have a time of just acoustic worship. Um, with worship leaders from our community of churches. You'll be led in segments of prayer from uh, pastors from our community. And this is our way of kicking off Abide 21. We're not going to have a night of prayer this year like we have before. We're not going to have a night of worship this year like we did before. This is it. This is the launch, and this is going to be the big event of us gathering together. Um, just a couple more details related to Abide 21 that we're going to get into talking about fasting today is... Um, we typically, uh, well, we, we will be giving out a devotional book this year. If you'd like the Abide 21 devotion, we have a hard copy for every one of you out there if you would like it. Um, it is kind of a, a, a verse-by-verse walkthrough, Acts chapter 1 through 9, with some questions that you can respond to every day to help you understand uh, that passage for your daily devotional time. Um, we usually have prayer sites located all throughout the community that we gather together with people all throughout the heartland. We pray at 6.30 in the morning with people from other churches, other communities. We get together and just start our day every day for 21 days in prayer. We're not going to do the official prayer locations this year um, for a couple of reasons. Some of the, the venues that we were using are unable to host that many people in one place for obvious reasons like restaurants, stuff like that. Um, but the other thing is we started to notice like there are more unofficial prayer gatherings than there are official prayer gatherings, which is telling me that over these last five years, the church is learning to be the church and people who couldn't make it to a meeting at the hospital or Papa John's or down in Lake Placid decided, you know what? We're at school early as teachers. Let's gather together in our classroom and pray together for 21 days. Students praying at their bus stop together. Um, the correctional officers out at the prison are still praying together at shift change. As a matter of fact, they were praying together this week intentionally about Abide coming out to the prison every morning, getting ready for what God was about to do. God is doing a grassroots movement right here in our community, much like the days of the book of Acts. So we wanted to get on board with that, particularly in a year that we're going to be studying the book of Acts together. And so who has God put in your vicinity, under your roof, in the cubicle next to you, in the classroom pod that you serve in, at your shift change that is also a pursuer of God and would join you in intentionally praying for 21 state, uh, straight days together as you kick off your day together. I hope that you will, will do that. I think I've covered all of the moving parts. Oh yeah, the website for all information, you can even get a digital copy of the book or you can send it to your friends out of state if you want them to participate is abide21.com, okay? Abide21.com. Um, let me, just for the sake of clarity, let me, let me say this. I think because we've been doing this for a few years, and as I mentioned before, um, a familiarity breeds contempt. We tend to get so used to things being a certain way that they lose their zing, uh, we lose our intentionality and our uh, focus on them. Uh, let me just, let me put it to you like this as we're entering into 21 days of prayer and fast. 
God has called this church family, as well as many other church families in the heartland, to fast and pray for the next 21 days starting tomorrow. So let me, let me word that differently. We as a church family will be fasting and praying for the next 21 days. You may decide not to participate, but just know that this is what we're going to be doing as a church family. We're going to follow God in this step of obedience to continue to pursue him together during these 21 days as you are pursuing him as an individual during these 21 days. And we're going to continue to be faithful to this, this mode of worship this January, as we have many Januaries before, but we're also going to be a people that don't look at this as an event that we just do in January, but as a practice and a discipline and an act of worship that we do sporadically all throughout the year. It was just this past October that we fasted and prayed for seven days together because of what was going on in our country. And we are people who are learning, learning as disciples to do things God's way. And so I want to say, like, you may choose not to participate, but like, this is what we're doing. And so I hope that you will join the thousands, roughly 8,000 people across the heartland, roughly 250 inmates at the prison, of going before God as individuals in our own life, in our own relationship with him, and watching God work in us as a whole. And so since fasting is kind of a more mysterious than the praying, we taught on praying last week, all right? For those of you uh, that missed that and you want to you learn a little bit more about the mechanics maybe and how, how to pray biblically and how to really like structure your prayers in a way that honors God and has the biggest benefit to you and your relationship with him, check out the sermon from last week. You can watch it on Facebook, YouTube, our website, gbc.life, or we have a podcast if you like to listen to it. And I love the podcast because you can speed up my Southern draw. So you get through a 35-minute message in like 20 minutes, like, I like that. I just can't talk that fast, otherwise I would. Um, but this week we're going to talk about fasting, probably the more mysterious of the two. Some of you are familiar with fasting, some of you have heard of it before. I want you to know, like as a disclaimer, I'm not going to be able to do the deep dive into fasting with the time that we have. It would take several weeks to really look at it from all the angles. But there was a few years ago that I preached a sermon on fasting where I hit most of the angles in one sermon because I had a little bit more time. Uh, if you're somebody who is unfamiliar with like what fasting is and why to fast and like how you need to fast and where all that comes from biblically, uh, I would encourage you to text this number. Uh, you can text the word fast, F-A-S-T, text the word fast to this number. This is our text to receive hotline. Text FAST to 863-456-1262. You can take a picture of it with your phone. You can write it down. If you text that, it will send you a link to an older sermon You'll see I had a little bit more hair and I wasn't quite as fat, um, but I like spent a lot of time really parsing out like all the pieces of fasting, at least from a 30,000 foot view. Today, since many of you have gone through seasons of prayer and fasting before because we've done it as a church, I wanted to look at a specific area of scripture where God really calls the people of Israel to the carpet. So if you have your Bibles, flip over to Isaiah 58. I oftentimes refer to Isaiah 58 during part of our fasting discussions because God really rolls out for us kind of the, a bullet point list of the things that he intends to do for us and to us and through us during our seasons of fasting. And we'll get there. But before we get there, I want to try to realign us and reconnect us with the power of fasting and understanding what God means when he calls us into a fast and hopefully try to dispel some of these Americanized ideas, quite honestly, that weren't ours. Um, the people of Israel struggle with it as well that have kind of messed up our forum of fasting with God, if you will. So let me just, as you're turning there, Isaiah 58. Fasting from a biblical perspective is basically this. So you have this in the back of your mind if you're new to this conversation. Fasting is essentially this. It is abstaining from food or certain foods, all right, for a season in order to heighten your hunger for God. So you yeah, voluntarily, voluntarily abstaining from foods or certain foods for a season in order to heighten your hunger for God. In other words, like you take something that's very central to who you are, very central to your life, you remove it or parts of it, and it creates a void, and that void, it creates this longing, this, this hunger pain in you, obviously, but we intentionally, during seasons of fasting, we replace that void. Instead of with feeding our face with more donuts, we replace that void with the presence of God, the bread of life, something that can truly satisfy. You know what I'm saying? 
We do this for seasons. Now, biblically speaking, fasting always revolved around food. You would either fast all foods or certain foods for a season. Um, We'll talk a little bit later in the discussion about kind of what fasting may look like for us in the 21st century, but I would invite you to consider foods, types of foods during your season of fasting or even like certain meals, like maybe you fast one meal a day and during that time you get before the presence of the Lord in prayer and worship and the study of his word and you make what we call a great exchange. Really fasting is not as much about abstaining from anything, but it's about exchanging. That thing with the presence of God in your life and realigning your priorities around him. Now, we'll circle back around to that part of the discussion, but let's dive in and look at these words to the people of Israel in ancient of days that God declares through Isaiah. And this is what he says to Isaiah in verse 1. Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. See, the people of Israel, though they had been trying to walk faithfully with God. They had some of the mechanics of walking faithfully with God, quite honestly, like their heart attitude had gone off the rails. They were walking in sin and not even realizing it. And so God calls them out through the prophet Isaiah, and he says these words. Cry aloud, don't hold back. Lift up the voice like a trumpet, Isaiah. Make sure it's clear. Make sure they know. I need them to hear this. I don't want them to miss this. And I want to say to you, like, just, just for the sake of clarity, like, uh, we are not the people of Israel. Can we all agree on that? We definitely aren't the people of ancient Israel. Okay? Um, God did not tell Isaiah to talk to us. He told Isaiah to talk to them about what they were experiencing, their particular context, their particular sin issue, their particular deal in the world that they were living in at that time. This was a message from God through Isaiah to them at that time. But now I also wanted to offer to you, like throughout my life and throughout my ministry and the study of word, I have noticed something. There seems to be this common thread between Adam and Eve, the people of Israel, King David, the 12 disciples, the church of Acts, Thessalonica, Galatia, Colossae, Philippi, and Grace Bible Church. There seems to be this common thread that strings from Adam and Eve all the way through history to Grace Bible Church, and that thread is this. People don't change a whole lot. So here's what I'm telling you. Biblically speaking, God did not give this word to be said through Isaiah to you, but he did give it for you. And so what I'm saying is, even though this wasn't written to us, it was written for us, we have to take a close look and ask ourselves, even though this wasn't written to me in context, does the shoe fit? I think you're going to find out that it does. So pay close attention to what Isaiah has to say. Verse 2, it says, Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if, underline in your Bible, as if, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. And yet they still ask me of righteous judgments, and they delight to draw near to God. Listen, um, this is God's way of saying through Isaiah um, that his people had spent, listen, listen closely, 21st century American church who is not ancient Israel or anything like ancient Israel. This is what he's saying to them. I wonder how much this fits with us. He's saying, um, you've spent so much time pretending to be godly that you've actually started to believe that you are. And not my words, is. Man, they go through all the religious rigmarole as if they were actually a righteous people. As if they actually care about the judgments of God. But yet, because they go through the paces of obedience, they show up to church, they lead their small group, they gave something to the missionary last month, they're coming out to the prayer thing today. Like, they went through the paces of it as if they cared about truly walking with the Lord, and they've actually gone as far as trying to use that as leverage to arm wrestle righteous judgments from God into their life. Oh, but listen, you parents that have kids in the house, y'all know exactly how this works. Some of your kids do exactly what you say, but they are not doing what you asked. You said, if you go clean your room, then you can fill in the blank, do whatever it was that you said you wanted to do. And so what do they do? They go into their room, and they stuff it all under the bed and in the closet so that when you walk in, 
You see a clean room. They did exactly what you said, but they weren't doing what you asked. All they did was relocate the mess. They didn't clean it up. And then they have the audacity, the gall, to try to use their partial obedience as leverage on you in order for you to rain righteous judgment on them. That's messed up. I wonder how much of our relationship with Jesus looks the same way. We, like, we expect his hand to move in our lives when we don't really seek his heart. We expect righteous judgments. We expect him to work in our lives when we really have no real intention of walking faithfully to him. In other words, like we are walking with one foot in, one foot out partial obedience. We are obedient in act, but not obedient in attitude. And let me ask you mamas. When your children are obedient in acts, but not in attitude, do you consider that child to be being obedient to you? I didn't think so. There's something distasteful about a divided heart, ain't it? It's like, man, you heard what I said, you did what I told you to do, but you, but you didn't do what I was expecting you to do. And this is what was happening to the people of ancient Israel, and they were trying to use that as leverage to say, but God, we did what you told us to do, so like, you owe us one, man. I mean, I was at church the last three out of four Sundays. Come on, like I got one in the bank at least. Something on credit, right? Gee whiz. They even went as far in verse three to say, oh, and we've even fasted. Like we got real down to the nitty gritty of our relationship. We even fasted. We even did like the, the big worshipful religious stuff. We even fasted and you didn't even see it. Did you see it not? We even humbled ourselves. And you take no knowledge of it. And then God responds with these words. Let these rattle the cage of your soul. Behold, on the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. Behold, on the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure. In other words, we've kind of coined a phrase around here when it comes time to fasting. We call this placing side bets on God. Yeah, we're going to go through the paces of doing what he's called us to do, but we're going to place side bets on the side, seeking our own pleasure as the people of Israel did while they were in seasons of fasting. They weren't totally single-minded, wholehearted, pursuing God. They were going through the paces of pursuing God, but their heart and their mind was somewhere else. We see Isaiah address this same issue with the people of Israel earlier in Isaiah. I believe it's Isaiah 28 or 29 when he says, these people, they acknowledge me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You get the idea? In other words, in their fasting and in their worship, they have taken something sacred and they made it selfish. Now, we wouldn't do anything like that, will we? Surely not in our fasting. I mean, we're going to go through all that trouble. We might as well do it right, right? Might as well really just focus on the Lord. But I tell you, I think this, I think this finds its way into our lives more than we realize. I bet you for some of us it found our, its way into our worship this morning. I bet you our mouths were singing, what a beautiful name it is, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ our King. Hands in the air, boy, we were singing, weren't we? That's what our mouth was saying. I wonder how many of our hearts were saying, man, I really, really like this song. Dude, I really, really like this song, especially when Sydney's singing it. But hey, don't I sound good too? I think so. How about you? I really, really like you. Get the idea? Let's be honest how many of us were in that boat this morning. We got lost up in the notes and the melody. We enjoyed the song. We liked listening to Sydney sing. And we never actually worshiped Jesus. We acknowledge him with our lips, but our hearts were far from him. And it's found its way into our fasting too. Some of us have missed what God had for us in our seasons of fasting because on the day of fasting, we did it for our own pleasure. In other words, this is how we place side bets in our fasting, how we turn something sacred into something selfish. As when we're in some of y'all are thinking about, man, 21-day fast sounds great. I need to lose a few LBs myself anyway. I'm starting to look like a busted can of biscuits over here. You know what I'm saying? That's a side bet. That's in your day of fast, doing it for your own pleasure. Sure, if you fast the right way, especially if you fast certain types of foods or whatever, like you're, you're probably going to lose a few LBs. But the question is, is that why you are doing it? 
God makes it very clear to them the reason why they had not seen God move in their fasting is because on their day of fasting, they had done it for their own pleasure. I don't know how that materializes in your life, but I know that some of us have tried to use our religious rigmaroles, our going through the paces to try to arm wrestle righteous judgments out of God in our life for him to move the way we want him to move. Some of us have just used it as an excuse to get started at the gym, lose a few pounds. You know what? I needed I needed to stop watching so much daggum TV anyway. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fast TV. But instead, during your time of fasting, you just pick up a book, start reading something else. Like you're just distri- you're filling the void that the fast was intended to create with other purposes and lesser gods. Remember the purpose of fasting, the definition is that we would abstain from foods or certain foods or any other little g-god in your life for that matter in order to heighten our hunger for God. Like the void that that thing leaves behind is a prompt from the Holy Spirit to say, hey, don't fill it up with your idols. Even if they're good things, don't fill it up with that. Fill it up with the presence of God for 21 straight days. Don't just decide to fast lunch every day for the next 21 days and sit there at your desk and do work. Don't fill the void and look at it as an opportunity to get ahead. Allow that void to resonate in you. Allow it to prompt you to get in the presence of God through prayer and worship and the study of his word. You get the idea? Fasting is all about stripping away. It's not about adding stuff. It's not about taking advantage of the opportunity to get ahead in some other area in your life. That's a side bet. Don't expect to have God move in your life in the way that you long to see. If on the day of your fasting you're seeking your own pleasure, just as the people of Israel did. And then he goes on to say in verse 5, man, this, this is a lot more what it's supposed to look like. He says, as such the fast that I chose, this is, this is a day for the person to humble himself. Under the mighty hand of God. This is a day for us to bow down our heads like a reed and to spread out sackcloth and ashes under us. Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? And the Lord goes on to say, is this not the fast that I chose? And he gives us kind of this example, these nine or ten or twelve things, depending on how you, how you break it up, of like what he intends to do for you in your season of fasting but most importantly, what he intends to do to you during your seasons of fasting. And let me just remind you, like as we go into this, remind, remind you that our fasting is not about abstaining from anything, it's about exchanging something. To create space, to create a void in our life, to open the window for God to step in to our story. In the void where something other significantly, uh, something other significant dwelled in our life, we move that off the throne of our life and our heart and we put Jesus right back where he belongs and we allow him to do the work that he has been setting out to do in our lives since the beginning of your birth and your relationship with him. Now for those of you that are saying like, um, all that sounds good and I definitely, you know, I definitely need to like nourish my relationship with God, but there's got to be some other ways to do it that don't, you know, that aren't as terrible. Um, Sure. Sure, but um, as I remind you, like this is a biblical idea that God gave us. And this idea of fasting is not adding to what we already have, not adding to the clutter of our already cluttered lives. It's about stripping the clutter away and putting him back where he belongs. And so you'll miss out on what God intends to do in your life if you don't do it the way he's designed for it to happen because he knows you best. Psalm 139 says that he fearfully and wonderfully made you, knit you together in your mother's womb. He perceives your thoughts from afar. He knows before you even stand up or sit down. He knows the words before they even cross your lips. And he knows that one of the things we need the most, listen to me, is not to add more junk, but to strip some stuff away. We can't see God, we can't hear God, we got so much noise around us, even spiritual noise. Some of y'all have been missing the voice of God because you spent so much time in Christian resources that you've missed out on the source. And add more clutter to your life, you still can't hear him, and you're reading the books, you're talking to the pastor, you're praying the prayers, but yet you just... You just can't seem to break through the fog. Strip things away in a season of fast. And he goes on to explain these things to us that he intends to do for us, to us, through us, in our lives. And 
He says these. We're going to take these one by one, starting in verse 6. This is something I like to share almost every year to help answer the question of why we need to fast and who needs to step into a season of fasting. And this is what God says to the people of Israel through Isaiah, verse 6. Is this not the fast that I chose, God said? This is the kind of thing I want to happen during seasons of fasting. Verse 6, to loose the bonds of wickedness and to undo the strap of the yoke. I wonder, is anybody in here this morning and in your life, you are caught in a sin cycle, a sin pattern in your life? You've been trying to break free. You've been carrying the weight of guilt and condemnation in your life. You know that this isn't a thing that you want in your life, but you just can't seem to shake it. Fasting. Is anyone caught in a sin pattern and a sin cycle and you just can't seem to break loose of the foothold that the enemy seems to have on you? Fasting and prayer is the key to the door to the way out. And you may experience that freedom in three days, six days. It may take all 21 days. It may take the next 21 months. This 21 days isn't just, all right, God's going to do all these things in the next 21 days of our lives. He will for some of you. But for some of you, you need to hear the voice of God and listen to him say, continue to pursue me, continue to get at my feet, continue to set this thing aside for the next season because I still have work to do in this particular area of your life. We'll talk about that as we get later into the journey. Some of y'all will need to go well on beyond 21 days. All right, that's number one. You caught in a sin pattern. Number two, to let the oppressed, halfway through verse six, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. I wonder how many of y'all this morning are carrying heavy burdens. I mean, you are just crushed under the weight of the yoke that you're carrying right now, and you long to be set free from that. You long for Jesus to step into the story to help lift that burden off of you. You've heard the call in Matthew chapter 11 to come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is light and easy. But you're trying to figure out, well, how do I exchange yokes with Jesus? How do I take his light yoke on me and give my heavy one to him? Fasting and prayer, according to God, through Isaiah. That's how we loosen that heavy weight. Some of y'all are carrying a weight that is somebody else's. Some of you grandparents and you mamas and daddies, you're praying for the salvation of a wayward child or a teenager or adult child or whatever. Like, and you're carrying the burden that is theirs, but you can't seem to get out from under that. You feel the weight of it fasting and prayer. Step into the, meet God right where he is in that story. Commit those things to him through the venue of fasting and prayer, and allow him to do what he has set out to do, to take your yoke upon him, and to give you his yoke upon you. How are we doing so far? I see me in the first two. <laughs> yeah, we got about seven more to go. What about verse seven? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him? not to hide yourself from your own flesh. I wonder how many folks this morning, though you would probably not admit it, struggle with a selfishness problem. Your little world revolves around you. Maybe maybe the only one that can see that is the people around you, but your little world revolves around you. You have a selfishness problem. You have missed out on the fact that the people of God have always meant to be a generous people. Not saying that we give or throw money or volunteer for everything. That's not the point. But my question is, is like, are you a selfish person? When, when you hear the voice of God dealing with your heart about giving to a thing or serving at a thing or giving to a neighbor or serving someone in the community, like, do you lean towards generosity or do you lean away from it? When you hear the voice of God kind of prompting you to serve, to give, to meet a need, like, is your, do you have a natural propensity to try to figure out how to do that, to commit it to prayer, to ask God to show you what to do? Are you somebody that kind of leans away and you have a natural disposition to just kind of rationalize your way out of why you shouldn't or why you couldn't or whatever? you got a selfishness problem. Because the people of God, they have a generous king that dwells within them, the power of the Holy Spirit, are meant to be a people that are constantly leaning towards serving and generosity, just like Jesus. So if you've got a selfishness problem, you need to step into a season of fasting and prayer and commit those selfish desires to the Lord over and over and over again, stripping away some of those things that have captured your attention, that sit on the throne of your heart for a season and put Jesus right back where he belongs. Fasting, the great exchange. 
Verse 8 says, Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. I wonder how many folks in here this morning or listening online could, um, you could use some encouragement or some healing in your life, whether it be physical, emotional, or spiritual. You need Jesus to step into your story of affliction in your head, in your heart, in your body, and provide a healing that only he can bring, fasting. As I mentioned before, like fasting and prayer are always meant to go hand in hand. You, you can't just fast, you can't just abstain and think that because you put down cheeseburgers for the next 21 days that God's going to move in your life. You can abstain from sweet tea for the rest of your life and it ain't going to move the hand of God. Fasting and prayer always go hand in hand. That's why we're talking about an exchange. You're abstaining from a thing for a while, but you're exchanging it with the presence of God through prayer about these things in your life, about reorienting your heart and life around King Jesus. So when it comes to the healing part, we talked a little bit about this last week. Like 2021 is going to make a lot of promises to you. But the only promise that you can really cling to is the one we talked about last week is that prayer comes with guarantees. And the quality of your relationship with God will be exactly tied to the quality of your prayer life. Your prayer life will be the barometer of the richness of your relationship with God. And so prayer comes with guarantees. When you are praying for this healing, when you're inviting God to be the hero of the story of your physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, marital issue, whatever it is, and you need healing, let me just, let me just remind you that through the power of prayer, one of two things is guaranteed to happen to those that pray and fast in the way that God has declared for them to, selfishly, intently, fervently, with the Lord as the centerpiece of the prayer. All right, here's the guarantees. Either your circumstances will change, hallelujah, or you will change, hallelujah. Either way, whether God actually changes your circumstances or changes you in your circumstances, you're way better off than when you started. And who knows, God may not change the thing in front of you that you've been praying about, but he just might change the way you look at the thing in front of you, and that in itself might set you free. You hear what I'm saying? Healing that only Jesus can bring, that he invites us to step into the forum, to drive the vehicle of fasting and prayer, to open the window, the conduit of his mercy to work in these areas of our life. Verse 9 then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. I wonder how many of you are seeking out an answer for prayer in your life. You've prayed the prayers a million times. You even tried praying a little King James-ish. You got the preacher to pray for you. You try to pray with great faith. You try to surround yourself with people of great faith to pray with the thing, but yet you're still trying to find your way through the fog. You don't feel like you've gotten an answer to that particular prayer yet. You're wondering, where's God? What is he doing? I wonder if you have stepped into the season, stepped into this recipe of hearing the voice of God, of coupling your prayers with intentional biblical fasting. I can tell you what happens when we start to remove the clutter off the throne of our hearts and we start to put Jesus back where he belongs. All of a sudden, as the things of earth grow strangely dim, we start to get a clearer view of the king of glory. And I bet you you'll be able to hear him then. Trust me, he's speaking. He wants to be heard by you. He wants you to hear his voice so that you can move and act in accordance with his word and his ways. But man, sometimes, even Jesus said, sometimes prayer ain't enough. Sometimes we need to couple our prayer with fasting to clear the fog, to hear the voice of God in our hearts. I bet somebody needs some direction or some answer to prayer in their life right now. There you go. If you take away the yoke from your midst, look, if you checked out, check back in. Y'all need to hear this. If you take away the yoke from your midst and the pointing of the finger, oh, finger waggers out there, and the speaking wickedness, those usually go hand in hand, don't they? Look, why y'all so quiet? I know you're out there. I know y'all ain't going to say amen, but I know you're out there. I know you're online. You finger waggers, speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise 
and the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. If you are somebody that needs to go into a season of self-examination, prayer and fasting. Here's the indicator that you need to go into a season of prayer and fasting is the fact that you have concluded that what you are experiencing in your life right now is a result of what everybody else has done to you. I'll let that soak for just a second. I know your feelings are hurt, and I know you think, well, not me. This is for somebody else. I hope somebody needs to listen to this sermon because they need to hear. You're a finger wagger. You're even thinking this was meant for somebody else. If you need to go into a season of self-examination because you're going through the stuff and you find yourself pointing at others a lot for the reason why you're going through the stuff and you're speaking wickedness of other people because you're going through the stuff. Something tells me that you need to go into the season of self-examination and invite the Holy Spirit to reveal to you and in you what about it, what it, what about it is in your relationship with him and your, and your walk of life that just continues to get you back in this mess. And you present those wagon fingers and those judgmental words to the king of glory and invite him to have a close look in your heart and in your life, to set you free. That's a heavy burden to carry, blaming everybody. And who knows, it might have been somebody else's fault you're in a situation you're in. I don't know, but all I'm saying is, like, you don't have to carry that burden any longer. But you need to step into a season of self-examination and let God do the deep dive work in your life to reveal to you about you. Fasting and prayer. Number seven, somebody needs this one, and the Lord will guide you continually. I bet you there's somebody listening into this discussion that needs direction in their life. It's not just an answer for prayer that you're asking about. You're trying to figure out, do I go right, left, forward, back? Do I stay right where I'm at? Do I take the job? Do I, do I stick with the job I got? Do I sell the house? Do I buy the house? Do I propose? If he proposes, do I say no? Like, you've got some big things hanging in the balance. You're trying to figure out, like, well, man, what, what do I do? Like, wh which direction do I go, God? Fasting and prayer. Again, just like hearing the voice of God, it like lifts the fog so that we can hear clearly the voice of the Lord who is speaking to you, who longs for you to hear his voice and move in the direction that he is calling you to. He who has ears, let him hear. And satisfy the desire in a scorched places and make your bones strong and you shall be like a well-watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I wonder how many of you this morning, that eighth one right there, you need spiritual restoration. Maybe you just wandered in here for the first time to church in a long time. Maybe you're listening online, just stumbled across this video or podcast or whatever. And like, you, if you were to define your life spiritually as like a desert wasteland, it is dry Maybe it's because you've never had a relationship with God. Maybe it's because you used to have a relationship with God and you wandered off into the far country. Like fasting and prayer is stepping into where God is in your life, not before him, not behind him, but right where he is, stepping into that through fasting and prayer so that you would be like a well-watered garden. This is like an intense pursuit of the Lord in your life so that that desert would no longer be dry. Now, some of y'all are saying, well, I haven't been wondering for God. I've been doing what I've always done. I mean, I've been getting involved with a local body of believers in a church. I've been doing my quiet time. I've been giving. I've been serving. Like, I've been doing all the stuff. I've even gone through fasting over the last several years. I've even fasted on my own throughout the year. But I feel like a dry desert wasteland anyways. Like, the places where God used to meet with me, he's not meeting with me right now. I don't hear his voice. I'm not feeling the way that I used to feel when I encountered God. Like, I just feel so disconnected. Fasting and prayer for as long as you have to. Because he will step into your story. He will water that garden again. He may be intentionally not meeting with you in all the places he used to meet with you because he's calling you into an intentional and who knows how long season of fasting and prayer. But he will step in. And you continue to pursue him until he does. That's just how he works. It's guaranteed. Last but not least, and your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt and shall rise up the foundations of many generations. And you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. I wonder how many of you live in a country 
or a city or a household that needs revival. You know, as I mentioned to you before, we aren't the people of ancient Israel. Isaiah was not speaking to us in Isaiah 58. Just the same as when the Lord declared in 2 Chronicles 7.14 the words that he did to the people of ancient Israel. He wasn't speaking to us then either. But something tells me when the shoe fits, it may not have been written to us, but it was written for us. And God told the people of ancient Israel a long, long time ago that if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I would hear their prayers from heaven, I would forgive their sin, and I would heal their land. Fortunately, we're walking in a day where our sin has been forgiven because of what was done on the cross. But my land is still in chaos. And I believe that's one of the places in scriptures that like transcends the old and new covenant because this is just God economics. That God intends to do a great thing amongst the people of any country where the believers in that country would pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. But unfortunately, we live in a time and a day and age where quite honestly, the people inside the church don't look or sound like any different than the people outside the church. Your Facebook posts are just as angry and just as ignorant. The way you talk to your friends is just as angry and just as ignorant. There's no hope of the gospel oozing out of your mouths. There's no peace that surpasses all understanding displayed in my coming and going of life. Man, I've taken the bait that the world has to offer. And I hate its taste, but I want more. And God calls out to his people that if we would humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, man, that's when a revival really happens. This is what he's calling us into in a season of fasting. That we would do this not only as a large group of people all throughout the heartland, but that we would have 8,000 individual people fasting and praying, seeking God in their own life and in their own relationship with him. My wife texted me this morning as she was doing her quiet time, and she said these beautiful words. She said, Dustin, I'm just reminded as I'm doing my quiet time this morning that a 21-day fast is not a 21-day performance for God. But it's a 21-day intentional nourishment of my relationship with God. You can get sucked into misunderstanding how this fasting works as if you set aside a thing for a while thinking that God is supposed to move just like the people of Israel did and miss the whole point that, man, this isn't 21 days of performing for God by stopping doing the thing that you know is a God in your life. But this is intentionally nourishing your relationship with God and you set those things aside for a season to focus on him. Because we do need revival. We do need healing. We do need answer to prayer. We do need direction. We do need hope. Oh, and he has plenty of it for us. And so I guess that leaves the question like, well, Dustin, what am I supposed to fast? I'm new to this. What am I supposed to fast? I gave you the definition earlier. Biblical fasting is abstaining from uh, either food or certain foods, which I don't encourage anybody to abstain from all food uh, unless you're under the counsel of a real doctor. Um, not WebMD, um, but ultimately to abstain from certain foods for a season in order to heighten your hunger for God. And quite honestly, like at that particular day and age, there were very few pleasures, uh, food and drink uh, being one of the few. Uh, this day and age, we have a whole lot more little G gods. So food is definitely a little G God for me. Like I'm thinking about lunch right now. And um, so some of y'all are like, hurry up and finish this thing up, man. I got to go beat the Baptist to the buffet line. Uh, we don't even do buffets anymore, do we? Can't even use that joke anymore, man. COVID is wrecking everything in my world right now. <laughs> no, nah, I'm playing. But seriously, like, and what is it for you? What's the thing, man? Do you need to fast a meal for the next 21 days? Do you fast lunch? Do you fast breakfast? Do you fast dinner in exchange? The time you would have been doing that with time with the Lord? Do you need to fast certain foods? Angela and I, uh, uh, we're planning, I think, on diving off again into the Daniel fast, which is essentially no meat, sweets, or breads for 21 days. Trust me, it's horrible. 
Um, and trust me, it creates a void that heightens my hunger for God. Because it's a regular reminder that something is missing in me when all I'm having fruits and vegetables and terrible things like that. So it just reminds me, man, and I'll tell you, when I sit down over a plate of, like, beans and rice over the next, and, like, the nasty rice, too, by the way, not the good kind, over the next 21 days, man, I'm telling you, like, it does something in my heart. It reminds me how thankful I am that the Lord has been so kind to provide me meal after meal after meal. It changes the way I pray. It changes how I see a crappy dinner. I'm telling you, man. That's what real fasting is meant to do. Like it just cultivates and nourishes something in your heart that wasn't there before. If you just add more junk into your life, we have to strip away so we can see and hear the voice of the king. Maybe some of you are going to be, maybe some of you kids, man, you're going to fast your video games the next 21 days. Uh, We had a kid last year, seven or eight years old, he fasted Mountain Dew. He loved Mountain Dew, fasted it for 21 days, exchanged that for the Lord. Uh, If you are a young couple or any age couple that is living together and you're not married and you're sexually active, you need to fast sex for the next 21 days and listen for the voice of God in your relationship. Trust me, don't waste your time fasting something else. If you're still going to be living like that, you'll be just like them. One foot in, one foot out, expecting the righteous judgments of God in your life when you have no real intention of honoring him with your life. So, like, if you're going to go in, go all the way in. Did he just say that? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. You hear what I'm saying? Some of y'all need to fast your bitterness for the next 21 days. Some of y'all need to stay off social media for the next 21 days. Instead of mindlessly flipping through social media at the red light, you need to pray every time you stop at a red light and focus your heart and attention on God. And every evening and every morning when you would have been wasting time just being bombarded by the toxins of the world around you, you need to exchange those times with the presence of God through worship. God will change your life. And I tell you what's going to happen. If God changes the lives of 8,000 individuals in a county that barely has 100,000 people, it's going to change this community. When revival sweeps through the heart of 8,000, the other 90,000 won't be able to hide. Revival sweeps through 250 at the prison. The other 1,000 won't be able to hide. The move of God is irresistible. Let's pray. God, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would not only give us the wisdom on what to fast, when to fast, how to fast, but that you would be the one that tethers us constantly to Jesus through the fasting. That we wouldn't slip into placing side bets or placing our hope into lesser gods like losing weight while we're going through a season of fasting, but that we would be steadfastly focused on you. That we would hunger and thirst for you. That you would cultivate something in us that is lasting and doesn't just end at the end of 21 days. Lord, have your way in the people of the heartland, because we are yours. In Jesus' name.